Popculture Pastor. We've got breaking news. Breaking news on the program. Local news, by the way, here in Chanute. Oh, more accurately, Earlton. Yes, which is Earlton. This little unincorporated thing outside of Chanute. Yes. Um, on Facebook just now, we saw someone asking if someone lost a herd of goats. <laughs> if anyone is missing a herd of goats. So Apparently, if, people know who they belong to, and the goats roam all over the place. Oh, okay, good. Good news. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be obvious? We live in a kind of an agricultural area. So this is not unheard of. Although, um, hearing that there are goats out on the loose makes me think the post office is on red alert. <laughs> Don't get near me, goats. All postal carriers remain in your vehicles. We don't know how vicious these goats are. Goats can bite. Can they really? Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but their teeth are like old oh, denture teeth. It doesn't teeth, hurt. Right? They're like <laughs> big and blunt. It doesn't hurt, but I don't think that matters. I would be more worried about them headbutting you. <laughs> They'll do that too. Except they won't hit you in the head because they're not that tall. No. And so like, you know, deep thigh bruise. <laughs> and those aren't fun. Have you ever had a deep Sounds thigh bruise? It's not. You don't. You don't want to mess around with those. We used to, on a related note, in middle school, we used to do that to people, give people deep thigh bruises because we're middle school kids and middle school kids are basically Mad Max denizens. Middle school boys. Yeah. Well, right. (laughs) And um, we called it dead legging. So you would just run at somebody and then at the last minute kind of hop with your knee sticking out and drive it right into their thigh, the middle of their thigh. And then they would drop and sometimes they would cry. Boys are so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. I think what we're trying to say here is be careful out there. There may be, you may encounter goats today. And by by we used to do that, I mean people used to do that to me. (laughs) I'd get dead legged a lot. Back to the leg thing. Or soup boned. Do you know what a soup bone is? Is that something to do with your collarbone? Uh, No, that's when someone takes their elbow and drives it like right into the middle of your upper back and they yell soup bone really loud and you fall on the floor partially paralyzed for about 30 seconds. Yeah. Good times though. Middle school is great. I wish I could go back. (laughs) Said no one ever. I was reading an article by Tyler Huckabee. The Huck. Yeah. He's a pop culture guy like us. He is. And he's he's come up with an interesting point that I'd like to talk about. Let's see if I'm going to be mad or glad with the Huck. Yeah, well, it's, it's a 50-50. really is. 50-50 proposition. I think I'm with him on this. Let's okay. talk about Home Alone. Home Alone. It's Christmas time. Home Alone's a Christmas movie, one of our beloved Christmas movies. Maybe Cody's favorite Christmas movie. Yes. Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin, is not the hero of the movie. Okay. He's not the hero of the movie. In fact, he's not a great character overall. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I have to preface this with the fact that he's like a six-year-old kid. He's 10. Oh, 10. Close. (laughs) I mean... But He's 10 in the movie. You have kids, or if you have kids, you've worked with kids, 
you know that what he does during the dinner is not uncommon with a kid that's especially no, the, no, no. the youngest yeah. child in a large family. I will not be dwelling very long on his childlike behavior. Okay. It's the other stuff. Okay. To, to understand where Tyler and myself are coming from here, <laughs> we, we, we have to talk about when this movie comes out in 1990, which compared to now, it was a season of relative economic prosperity. Okay. People were doing pretty good back then, and uh, we find the McAllisters, they're living uh, large. Off the H.W. Bush era. They're living large, suburban fabulous in Chicago, and also, like, they're planning a family trip to Paris. Like, that's the whole beginning of the movie. That is. And, like, who does that? (laughs) How many Americans could do that? So they're not your typical family. Um, does it ever say what the dad does? Because that house is a kind of amazing. I, one of the movies, I think it mentions briefly that he might be a day trader. Yeah. And the mom, she is a clothing designer. That's why she that he has all the mannequins during oh, the okay. uh, train that makes it look like there's dancing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Tyler goes a direction in his article where... Like their wealth is sort of disgusting. I'm not going to do that. That's like a super liberal thing to do. And okay, like that if, is where the Huck and I usually butt heads a little bit. Yeah. Like if they're self-made, whatever. We we've talked about this before. You know, it's like being mad at Jeff Bezos for being successful. He started in a garage. Yeah. Like what? Why? Like you're mad at him because his idea hit big. We do that though. That's a human thing to do. I don't want to rail on the McAllisters for simply being rich. However, they, uh, uh, they're not very nice to each other. Oh no. And the whole family boards an international flight minus their 10 year old. And nobody realizes it until they're in the flight. You can blame the neighbor kid early on. It's it, that's a big accident. If it was an accident. Dun, dun, dun. You could make a claim in the movie that <laughs> they Gross may have negligence. They may have even subconsciously done it deliberately, given the choice of traveling to tr- to France with a young sociopath like Kevin <laughs> McAllister, <laughs> or leaving him in the relative safety of a fully stocked mansion. I guess he does have to go to the grocery store, but do, do we think he really had to? Do we think there wasn't enough food in that house? Um, I would think that there wouldn't be a lot of food just because they're gone for a week. There wouldn't have been perishables. They would have gotten rid of the perishables, yeah. but I'm betting there's their, uh, pantry was stocked I- at any rate. I want to explore this hour. The idea that Kevin McAllister is not the hero of the movie. I Hold already on. have who the real heroes in its plural. Oh. are. Oh yeah. Okay. Here we go. So the real hero of home alone is not Kevin McAllister. Let's talk about Harry and Marv for a second. America's favorite villains. I mean, they're hard to defend. They're not lovable or even really likable. Um, I love them. (laughs) Marv is is slow on the uptake. Harry's kind of a jerk, but the McAllister family is full of jerks. Yes. Why are they automatically the heroes? I mean, they're not. Most of them aren't really nice either. Kevin's not nice at all. He's getting on his cousin because he he can't go through the night. He has a bedwetting problem. Dude, that's not nice. Especially concerning his cousin in real life is his brother. 
Like what? Is Fuller supposed to just drop drinking Coke? Yeah. I mean, why does Fuller not get to enjoy the, the soda pop? Because he has a bedwetting problem, then you're going to embarrass him about it? Dude, that's cold-blooded. And then all the siblings are taking the cheese pizza because they know that's all that Kevin will eat? Now, I know some people may argue that Harry and Marv are criminals, Dave. They're criminals. They're literally stealing. And yet we do see them engaging in criminal behavior. But let's be a little understanding. It's clear from their character, Harry and Marv aren't coming from the same background as the McAllisters here. They are not. The McAllisters, who are living a life of luxury, are probably living lives that Harry and Marv couldn't even relate to. Nope. Although... Harry has a gold tooth. It, that's a little weird. I think that's just so we can identify Harry because that's like a specific identifier for Kevin in the movie. But let's also say it doesn't excuse going on a life of crime. If Harry and Marv had it tough growing up, it doesn't excuse them to be like just, you know, going on crime waves. But maybe, you know, if the McAllisters were a little more generous, maybe Harry and Marv, you know, got some help when they were younger. Maybe maybe they would have gone a different direction. Maybe, maybe not. But let's just get to it. The true villain of the movie is Kevin McAllister. He's sadistic, man. He might be sadistic, but I don't think that he's the villain of the movie. I don't understand how Harry and Marv are alive at the end of one. Definitely not two. Home <laughs> Alone 2, I watched that the other day with my kids. I was horrified. Uh, Marv gets hit with like four bricks to the head from about a hundred foot drop <laughs> in succession. And I'm like, dude, his skulls caved in. Um, that is, I, I like, didn't want my youngest to watch. I'm like, man, take him out of here. I don't want him giving him any ideas. That is the sound of a tool chest coming down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, these aren't just booby traps. Kevin devises torture devices that are, that are made to cause pain. Bone crunching pain and um, humiliation. Kevin clearly was a firm believer in the stand your ground laws. <laughs> He's big. Kevin McAllister in Home Alone's big on defending his home and the right to do so. But what would Kevin have lost if he just ran and hit? Like what what are Harry and Marv getting away with in their van? A couple couches? Like what are they really gonna take? Something easily replaceable for the McAllisters? Like what? What is he defending per se? His cutout of his cardboard standout of, of Michael Jordan. That is worth defending the home. <laughs> like we're never quite sure what it is is in the house that Kevin finds so valuable that he's going to defend it and put himself in harm's way. Well, so early on, I mean, they run into him. Then he goes back to his house. And then they sneak around back, and he can see that they're there. And as a 10-year-old that's home alone, it's not really about protecting his house at that point. It's about protecting himself. And he doesn't do anything but plays the movie. Uh, and you hear snakes. Uh, the guy talk about snakes. <laughs> and then uh, Marv's like, I know I've heard that name before, snakes. <laughs> and so, like... It starts off that he's just trying to make it look like there's other people there. And then it becomes clear that they're not going to leave and that they have figured out that he really is home alone. 
And so even if he does hide at that point, you kind of get from the second movie that, oh, these guys might not be above doing something that could severely harm or threaten his life. But at any point, like surely he knew some people in the neighborhood. Surely he knew where maybe the police station was. At any point, he could have just left. Phone lines were down. (laughs) All I'm saying is Marv and Harry are lucky to be alive. They are. After the first movie, I will not even speak of the second movie because (laughs) some of those things were atrocious. I mean, Kevin McAllister is guilty of insidious violence in the movie Home Alone uh, against the wet bandits. (laughs) There's no grace for for Kevin, we've already we've already d- went down a road of like empathy with Marv and Harry. Like, well, how did these guys grow up? Did Kevin afford them that? Was there any grace from Kevin? No. And in the first one, I think you can make an argument. There is some some threats uttered after Marv and Harry get hurt. Mm-hmm. But I don't think before that they had any interest in doing anything but you know taking some knickknacks. Oh, and flooding the house. <laughs> well, they're the wet bandits. It's their calling card. <laughs> <laughs> but Harry and Marv, like, okay, I get it. You you probably can't say that Harry and Marv are the heroes. I I never thought they were. I'm just saying that Kevin McAllister's not a hero either. So in my mind, you go I'm I'm going to community when Abed attends the class. Of who's the boss <laughs> and then completely shreds the professor and identifies in every sense of the word, Angela is the boss. Angela is totally the boss of who's the boss. <laughs> and so in this movie, you got two, maybe four heroes. Okay. And the two obvious ones are the old neighbor next door. Because mm-hmm. without him, there really is a chance Macaulay Culkin or Kevin is meeting his demise. Because at that point, Marv and Harry are chasing him yeah. across the neighborhood. I would say it's by Kevin's own doing. It is by Kevin's own doing, but someone still needs to be a hero. Yeah, Neighbor steps up. Neighbor. And yeah. he also helps catch the wet bandits. Yeah. And then John Candy's character, Gus Polinsky. Helping a poor mom get back home to her child that's been left home alone. Yeah. And you can maybe say the old people that she trades tickets with. (laughs) I forgot about that part. It's definitely like, I don't like what Tyler has done here in his article where he makes it a financial thing. We don't want to judge based on how you're living. Right. Yeah. So saying Kevin's the bad guy because his family's rich doesn't jive with me. Now, Kevin may be the bad guy because he defends his house in an overly, uh, overly aggressive way that was unnecessary. Just let him take the knickknacks, Kevin, and get out of there. What are you defending your mom's knickknacks for? It doesn't start off as defending knickknacks. It starts off as he's trying to protect himself because he's home alone. But he could have left. He's not out in the. He's not in Siberia. He's in Chicago, (laughs) the suburbs of Chicago, the rich suburbs. Does does everyone leave town? 
Christmas week in Chicago? Um, in this this suburb, they do. Well, I'm not buying that. And uh, you, you know, I don't want to make Harry and Marv the heroes just because they grew up poor. Yeah, they're not the heroes. Yeah. They're yeah. just as bad. You don't you don't get to absolve yourself of your bad decisions because you had some hard luck. So I'm not down with that either. But you mentioned it. The real hero of Home Alone is Gus Polinsky, the Poke King of the Midwest. Yes. He's the real hero. <laughs> Given, <laughs> giving this lady a ride, he didn't know who she was. She could have been a serial killer. Oh, yeah. And Gus Polinsky, Poka Poka Poka, <laughs> Indiana Poka. No? Never heard of it? <laughs> Gus Polinsky and the Kenosha Kickers are out there saving Christmas. He's selfless, he's empathetic, he's compassionate, he's the hero of the movie. Did did Huckabee arrive at that conclusion? Because he should have. Yes, he did. Okay, so Huck and I agree he, on one thing. There was a lot of political financial stuff in there that I'm not down with with Huck's article. Like trying to make Marvin Harry the good guys. But he eventually lands on Gus Polinsky, the Poke King, and the Kenosha King. And I will say, Kevin has one redeemable moment in the movie. And that is when he's talking to his neighbor at the church about burying the hatchet with his son. So that way he can actually be a part of his granddaughter's life. Yeah, he tells he tells the, the old man to like, hey, forget about the conflict. And then he's like, oh, Look at the time. I got to go bash in some heads. <laughs> so, Cody, because um, my generation has not grown up with the platforms uh, that your generation and beyond have, specifically the Internet and online platforms that spread your culture and your word out there, because Gen X, which is uh, who I'm a part of, weren't the main, you know, we were already getting old by the time the energy, as far as culture goes, culture's mm. riv- really driven by the youth, the youths. That's yeah. And so because of that, um, I find that generation X is often ignored when it comes to culture, what we've delivered to the world through culture. Um, don't try to deny it, Cody. No, I was going to say, <laughs> Outside of WWE, I don't know what Generation X has delivered. You're welcome, by the way, <laughs> for the wrestling. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know. Nirvana. <laughs> uh, it was it was us that, you know, got McDonald's to get rid of the styrofoam uh, burger containers. You're welcome. That was us. I miss Otherwise, that. McDonald's would still be having, you know, McDLT's big styrofoam containers keeping the hot side hot and the cool side cool. So this is why we can't have nice things. Oh, yeah, we can have a nice earth. Again, you're welcome. (laughs) Apparently styrofoam takes a long time to biodegrade. It happens. I remember that was a big deal in the 80s. We were talking a lot about styrofoam. (laughs) Anyways, I I digress. Let's move on to the other things um, that Generation X brought us because we're often a demographic Gen X that's depicted as relaxed, we're kind of chill. Yeah. We're cynical. Yeah. We're music lovers. Yeah. Greatest music in the world was in the 80s and 90s. Uh, you know, Maybe. Just saying. I'm just saying. Um, these characteristics all kind of represent Gen X. And 
the dictionary has recognized some terminology that are strictly brought to you by Gen X. Okay. So dictionary.com put out a list of words that are um, Gen X or Gen X words. So grunge and punk rock are rising to prominences when we're in our teens and twenties. We can, uh, so you can thank us for those trends. Nirvana. Yeah. Nirvana's uh, big. So millennials might try to claim Nirvana, but really you're still pretty young. I'm claiming Pearl Jam. Because they're no, still going. No, you can't do that. I already did it. <laughs> Name it and claim it. <laughs> you can't do You always do this. You always do this. We yes. did it. It's my generation. Um, anyways, we're not going to. That's argue. the who. <laughs> That's, come on, man. The who? Those are old heads. Yeah, but they sing my generation. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I didn't get your joke. Boom. All right. When we come back, the words that you can thank Gen Xers for. You ready? You're not ready. I'm not ready. Okay, Cody, here is the list. I'm hoping it's all Valley girl speak. <laughs> I cannot explain the Valley girl stuff. I don't, I mean, there was a movie. So there was a book, then there was a movie. And then, yeah, you have all that weird, like, Oh, gag me with a spoon. <laughs> it was, that, I was a kid when that was happening. And so I can't fully explain that one to you. I'm, I don't really understand that, but it, you're right. I mean, it's specifically gen X, but also kind of specifically California. And California is always a little weird. Yes. I mean, second only to Florida. And Austin, Texas is close third. Is it really? I've never been to Austin. Is it? Is it kind of weird? Well, they have shirts that say keep Austin weird. Do they? They do. Oh, well, they, I mean, at least they're being authentic. They are. That's nice. Um, so here are the list of words that you can thank Gen Xers for. So as we go along these words, just take notice. And when you come along, uh, you cross paths with a Gen Xer day today. Say thank you gnarly thank you for words like chill pill <laughs> it's like hey man this is when someone was a little excitable and you'd be like bro you need to take a chill pill this is a time before we really did start prescribing pills to everyone we wanted to calm down yes um so because you know like i probably have you know two or three mental condi- conditions that nowadays if i grew up they'd probably put, put me on pills Potentially. So I'm sorry. It started off as a joke or just something cool to say, and then it turned into something re- in reality. So maybe that's our fault. But we would tell people that they were excitable. It's like, hey, man, let's take a chill pill, bro. <laughs> Come on now. Like, take a chill pill. And you know, I think um, we'd still be, I think we'd be in better shape now if we were still saying that instead of, you know, doing it. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know many people that say it still like i hear it once in a while and i'm like hey yeah how are you buddy (laughs) it's like an old friend someone says i wish they would take a chill pill and you're like oh look who's back back again tell your friends (laughs) (laughs) um another word you said just a few seconds ago gnarly yeah. Oh, that's gnarly. And, and if you want, like, this is, look, I'm going to define this as a Gen Xer. When someone goes, oh, gnarly, it's like 
you know, sometimes you see something like maybe it's like you can't take your eyes off of, like a train wreck mm-hmm. or a fails video. It it says, gnarly says, whoa, that was amazing. And also that person may be severely injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's basically what gnarly means. Like, oh, gnarly. And then it kind of took off in, you know, the regular speak. And now people will say gnarly for something where someone is seriously injured. And they got a bone sticking out of their skin and be like, oh, that's gnarly. Maybe I'm tired of looking at it now, but I can't stop. Cover it up before I throw up. There's definitely a negative connotation of gnarly. Yeah, there's a negative. And then there's people that use it just to mean cool. Like, oh, that was gnarly, dude. Is there really? Yeah, there's a group of people. I think that it's more millennials. Because if it's just cool, if it's just something cool and nobody's seriously injured, I think we said rad. Yeah, that was rad. So I think millennials got rid of the word rad and just combined it with gnarly. You guys ruin everything. You just ruin everything. Name it and claim it. (laughs) Some more words that you can thank Gen Xers for. Headbangers. Uh, We used to do some headbanging back in the day. We are the generation of the hairband. Indeed. And then we grew up a little bit and really liked grunge. Nirvana. You're aforementioned Pearl Jam. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. There's a few others. There's a lot of them there, but largely Gen X driven um, culture. Spotify has Hootie and the Blowfish listed as grunge. Uh, We're like, no, they're big hits. They're college. uh, Okay. Hootie has their own sub category in my eyes. And that would be college bubblegum rock. Are you with me on that category? Okay. College bubblegum rock. And and it's, yeah, grunge? Come on. What? <laughs> so maybe early hootie is like grungy southern rock? <laughs> like, I don't know. because uh, Grungy southern bubblegum rock, maybe. <laughs> I mean, hold my hand? Yeah. Really? I, yeah, I don't know. Let her cry. I don't know. I only want to be with you. The dolphins make me cry. <laughs> well, certainly did this weekend. Ayo. Oh. <laughs> um, another word that we coined was yuppie. Do you still people, does people still say yuppie? Yeah. But uh, I think that it's kind of in like a chic, yeah. funny way. So yuppie, uh, like as I was growing up and got older, I understood yuppie to mean like a young, rich person. But actually, it was short for young urban professional or young upwardly mobile professional, a term coined in the early 1980s for a young professional person working in a city. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, I don't know why that one took off, but it did. Um, Dis, you're welcome for that word. Uh, Dis, short for disrespect. So if I was going to intentionally say something to disrespect Cody, I'd be dissing him, such as... Cody, you shouldn't wear your ball cap backwards like you are now because you're trying to make yourself look young and you just look <laughs> immature. Um, and I'd be like, oh, I dissed you. That was gnarly. <laughs> Put that on a diss track. Yeah. That's what, you know, rappers started putting down diss tracks. They did. Uh, short for disrespect. Another word was hella, which we're on a Christian station. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that we want to, we want to, 
promote that one, but uh, basically it meant very. <laughs> uh, this is very. This food is very hot, and um, we could say hell is hella hot. Yes. <laughs> um, Gwen Stefani was the one that introduced it to my vocabulary because she was feeling very good. And Gwen is a what? She's a Gen Xer. She is. Also, you're welcome. You're welcome, America, for no <laughs> doubt. And Gwen Stefani. Um, another word we introduced into the lexicon: tripping. You're tripping, bro. That is like yeah. so. Cody's being extra millennial and <laughs> pretending to not get what pick up what I'm throwing down. <laughs> then Cody will be tripping. Usually, am. Yeah, that one starts way back. Um, apparently, dude. Is a, a a Gen X term? I'm thinking like you know, like uh, Sean Penn's character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, Jeff Spicoli says "dude" a lot. Uh dude, dude, you're tripping, dude. You're tripping. You need to take a chill pill. I saw a gnarly accident on the way here. This <laughs> is amazing. I think we need to just go back to saying these words. Um, did they ever leave the lexicon? They are not to the max. <laughs> which is uh, another phrase that's on the list. Although I haven't said anybody heard anybody say to the max in a long time. I'm thinking, are they going to the max? That's yeah. in saved by the <laughs> I was bell. Say, unless they were going to the max on <laughs> saved by the bell, we got to go to the max. <laughs> Anyways, you're welcome for all those words signed generation X. Sometimes I crack myself up. <laughs> it happens. I should not have hit the go button. That's the moral of the story. I was not ready, but the song was ending. It was. And I needed to, I, we needed to go. I, I have an interesting story oh, that I want to talk about, Cody. And this was, uh, this is, but this one stars Robert De Niro. Bobby De Niro. I did not <laughs> realize you were going to get so excited about Robert De Niro. Um, Bobby to those of us that are close. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your friend, Bobby De Niro, Cody's close personal friend, Bobbert De Niro. <laughs> By the way, he's, he doesn't appear in this story. It's just his apartment. Oh, so. And, and maybe his Christmas gifts. Oh, poor Bob. <laughs> uh, a woman allegedly, this is according to Yahoo News. A woman allegedly broke into actor Robert De Niro's Upper East Side townhouse early Monday morning and began snatching up Christmas presents from under his tree, according to police. Um, that, Was it the Grinch? This is what we like to call the reverse Santa. Wait, what? What is happening? I have so many questions just about that sentence. Like, literally, I want to know... Did she know this was Robert De Niro's apartment? Yes, that's question number one. How did she know? Like, if she was just breaking into a random rich person's apartment, then the story becomes a little less interesting. But if she's breaking in because she knows this is Bobby De Niro's apartment, it opens up a whole nother line of thought. Like, the, the guy plays nothing but people with anger issues. Oh, yeah. I'd be afraid that there was a little, you know, life-imitating art in his work. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so like, yeah. Did she know that's question number one? Did she know this was his apartment? Did she not? If she knew this was his apartment, 
Um, my second question is, why is Robert De Niro's apartment so easy to break into? We got to protect Robert De Niro. Does he not have like an alarm system or something? He is a national treasure. Is he? He is. <laughs> I mean, I like Robert De Niro, but we throw that national treasure line around a lot. Um, he's a dude. He's he, a guy. He, he, he's an award winner. Okay. All right. He's a little too outspoken about his politics. I wish he'd just be Robert De Niro. Actor. Um, I don't need, like, he, he's one of these celebrities that's gotten really outspoken over the last several years. And it's not like I don't, I don't mind that he has opinions. Oh, sure. Yeah. Everyone has opinions. And I don't, I'm not going to be negative about that. It's just, he's one of these, he's one of these special ones that think we need to hear his opinion. I also think it goes back to that whole thing that he only plays mean guys that like, he feels he's important. It, what, okay. Because he feels his, like he's America's grumpy old stepdad. Because right? he's always the grumpy old know-it-all guy. I can go for that. That's I, I have a new look on his opinions now. <laughs> I can go for that. You go, Bob. So 30-year-old Shanice Aviles was arrested on burglary charges. After she was spotted entering De Niro's home at 2.45 a.m., police said. Police were following her because she was wanted in connection with six other burglaries. Okay, so <laughs> it's not looking like this was a, we're going after Bob De Niro. So do you think she was just unlucky? I mean, she was already being suspected and followed by police. And then she just happens to walk into Robert De Niro's apartment, which again, man... What kind of security are we have, Bob? <laughs> like, what is happening? You would think that his apartment building would, like, you'd have to sign in and, like, be escorted to rooms. A police report says that early Monday morning, police saw her entering uh, Robert's uh, De Niro's townhouse on East 65th Street. Did, did the police just dox Robert De Niro? <laughs> Now I know where to find him. <laughs> they just doxed him. Uh, when she didn't come out, police entered the home and saw her taking presents from under the Christmas tree and putting them into a bag. She really was doing the, the, the anti-Santa. Nice. Oh, oh man. This is, this is wild. This is where it gets crazy. Excuse me. Hearing the commotion, De Niro came down the stairs. He was there. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> What are you doing? Oh, and Bob, Robert De Niro come down the stairs and he said, you, you stealing from me? You stealing from me? I don't see anyone else here. So you must be stealing from me. <laughs> <laughs> this story is gold. This is amazing. They should make this into a movie. This sounds like the beginning of a movie, right? I need this. There was no interaction between the actor and the alleged thief, apparently. In the movie, there would be. But I have so many questions here because, um, number one, we already discussed, which is uh, how'd she get in? How did she know what it was his apartment? She apparently didn't. Question number two, how'd she get in so easy? Was she part of like the housekeeping staff? Is she a ninja? (laughs) Is she an expert at picking locks? Like, and what kind of locks is Robert De Niro rolling with? And does he not have an alarm system? Apparently he didn't. He heard, it, it wasn't until the police came in and found her that he heard the commotion and came down. Third question. Christmas presents? Bobby. I would not have pegged Bobby for a Christmas guy. 
You don't know Bobby. Bob De Niro, at 79 years of age, apparently had a tree and presents under them. Like like some sort of middle-aged family man. Look at Bob De Niro being all Christmassy. This is going to damage his rep. <laughs> no more mob movies for you. I just assumed Bob De Niro was living like uh, Nick Cage in The Family Man at the beginning. <laughs> like lonely, no one around for Christmas, but didn't care anyways. But here's Bob De Niro living like, yeah, I want to know. I'm going to sleep through a robbery of my house. Who are the presents for? Were they fake? Were there presents in them? <laughs> or were they just wrapped up boxes? I don't think so. I think they were real presents. And now I'm just like, Bob. Look at Bob. Proud of you. Oh, man. Yeah, I am too. This is kind of interesting to me. Now I need to know more. Like, who are the presents for? What's his family like? What's Bob really like? What type of presents did he buy? What were they? Yeah. Were they grandchildren? And this lady was trying to steal like a new Hot Wheels set. Mm. Come on. Bob's trying to make the best Christmas. He's trying to save Christmas. <laughs> I don't think she knew it was Bob De Niro's house. That's what we have surmised. Uh, also, Bob De Niro, who's like the thing we talked about it just here just a second ago, was that Bob De Niro, who plays all these rough and tumble parts where he's like, a mobster or a tough guy. This dude had a Christmas tree, 79 years old. So he, he's probably got no family in the house anymore, but he had a Christmas tree with presents. And I'm like, we were just like, we were just sitting here thinking, well, who are the presents for? And look at this guy all loving Christmas and, and trying to act like a big tough guy. He's a softy. So we've, we've decided that uh, uh, Robert De Niro is probably a big teddy bear, but I wanted to point out, uh, another part of this article, because another part jumped out to me. Police sources were describing their um, following her, the the perp. They were following her because police sources described her as a recidivist. A what? <laughs> like at this point, I had to I, I had to look up this word. This is Yahoo News, but apparently, this is what police called her. Police sources described her as a recidivist. Are you ready for this? I am. First of all, I don't even know how to spell it to begin to look up. Police sources. Who's giving? Who's? Is this a word police are using? All the time. <laughs> I know some police officers. I've never heard this word. Never. Oh, I need to know what this crime is. So then maybe I can say this is why I haven't heard it. A recidivist is a convicted criminal who re-offends, especially repeatedly. Oh, recidivist. We have, we have recidivist out the <laughs> walls here. Oh, no. <laughs> I no! don't know why I haven't heard this. We took a shot at the hometown. We couldn't help ourselves. Uh, yes, a recidivist is a convicted criminal who re-offends repeatedly. Oh, come on, recidivist. I mean, I kind of want to be like, all right, police spokesman. We couldn't just call him a repeat offender. We had to break out recidivist. I actually had to look this up to understand what you were saying. They are expanding the lexicon <laughs> with those fun uh, words. Uh, anyways, that's your, your new word for the day. Recidivist.
Hey everybody, Dave here. What you have just listened to are bits and pieces of our radio show. We have a radio show on KFEX Firescape Radio located in Chanute, Kansas. You can hear that show from noon to four every weekday. So if you want to tune into that, you can go to www.kfex931.com or you can search KFEX in your app store on your smartphone and find their totally free app there. If you're a fan of Christian music, you might like to listen to our live show at when you're at work or uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're, you, you like music in the house, you may love to listen to that during the day. So give it a try. Um, we would also direct you to our podcast, Pop Culture Pastor. That's probably why you're listening anyways to this uh, a version of what we do. As always, uh, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on our social medias on Facebook and Twitter. It helps us out when you share it, uh, when you review and and rate us on our podcast uh, homes. And of course, follow us on social media and share our stuff there. So thank you so much for listening. We love all of you guys so much. We have such a great community of listeners and uh, we'll see you when the regular pod drops on Friday.